Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. CR 855 AM digital 3cr.org.au. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. 3CR broadcasting proudly from the lands of the original inhabitants and paying respects to elders past and present. <coughs> and um, also acknowledging our LGBTI Indigenous elders, including sister girls and brother boys, for their amazing contributions to diversity on and around our land. Opened up today with Midnight Oil from the Species Deceases album. I always want to say Species Deceases um, from 1985, a little EP that they put together with Hercules, Blossom and Blood and Pictures being the other tracks um, after the Red Sails and the Sunset album. Well, um, we are, of course, in case you hadn't noticed, we're in the middle of an Australian federal election and we're probably wanting some progress. We desperately need it at a federal level. And as per last week, when we had a candidate in, and I've got to come remind me to come back to that, um, I've got um, in the studio yet another candidate who, well, is pretty much comfortable, I have to say, in the 3CR studio chair, Jason Twazon McShane. How are you going? Good, Sally. How are you going? It's good to be here. I'm really good. And the thing that we want to do is if you've got questions for Jason about the Australian Equality Party and its policies, um, send them into. Uh, spiral the means of technology out of the pan, 855 at gmail.com. Text 61401078981. Um, look for me or out of the pan on Facebook and look for me on Twitter at Sal Gold Said So, and that's the bottom line. Jason, let's just um, get the helicopter view first. Uh, I know you've been on before, but let's just start with what is the Australian Equality Party? What's it about? Well, two and a half years ago, it feels like it was yesterday. Um, <laughs> Some friends and myself were sitting around having lunch, worried after the last federal election that nothing was going to change in the federal space for LGBTIQ people, mm. and we've been proven to be correct. Sad. In fact, it's been worse. We're just yeah. talking off here how we don't know whether this government or the Howard government was worse for LGBTI issues in recent times. Anyway, we, we um, were talking, and I said, actually, we need an independent voice inside the federal parliament that tells our stories and agitates for change independently and does it from the inside. And they kind of laughed at me, um, my friends, as people do. Um, but by the end of that three-hour conversation, um, the Australian Equality Party was born. Not the name, but mm -hmm. the idea. And we spent that following summer putting it together, launched at Pride three Prides ago, and have developed a 43-page as our current, I'm trying to digest it myself, um, policy strategy for LGBTI people that is the gold standard that the other parties have been pinching and stealing and implementing, which is good. Um, and that's why we have probably the most progressive state for LGBTI issues when it comes to on a state level in Victoria. And we um, now are running for the Senate here in Victoria, the Senate in South Australia and Queensland, and in the lower house seats of Higgins and Melbourne Ports, which we haven't publicly announced 
So I'm doing it now here and there. Oh, A3CR exclusive. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, can I, I just go in touching on something you've said there? So, you know, it is a very complete, I'm going to say, a pun in, tongue-in-cheek, a policy panifesto at knowing no boundaries of our communities. Really uh, what are some of the things that um, you think that other parties have, um, you know, sort of oh, said, oh, that sounds good, and sort of what, um, you know, what sort of things, you know, make you... Uh, make you understand that they they took stuff from the AEP's policy. Well, the sex party just a week ago claimed to have the first LGBTIQ asylum seeker policy, which is basically our policy rewritten in a slightly different wording. Ah. And we actually released that two and a half years ago. And we kindly, I told Fiona and said, um, oh, she goes, I think she's supposed to fix it, but she hasn't fixed it as of yet. The um, Rowena Allen, who is a wonderful person, Mm -hmm. and Fiona Patton is a wonderful person, by the way. Um, uh, She... She is the Gender and Sexuality Commissioner for the Victorian State Government, and that is our policy in real life. There was no such thing before we put that on paper uh, two and a half years ago, and I'm quite proud and honoured. And what the work that she's done in the first 10, 11 months has really been extraordinary. I salute her in in every way. Um, Martin Foley is the Equality Minister now, not the Minister for LGBTI, but the Equality Minister, which is where the Equality Party, and they have... um, taken three or four chunks of our policy strategy and implemented it and been brave. The fact that they um, have come to the conclusion, I think it's the first state government or federal government in Australia's history that's come to the conclusion that there is actually nothing wrong with a person who is LGBTIQ as a baseline. Mm. And because of that, it kind of makes the policy follow on quite easily. So when you have rubbish about safe schools or rubbish about marriage equality, uh, Daniel, God bless him, if there is a God, um, he has clearly said there's actually, this is it's rubbish to think otherwise. They're, they're equal citizens and it's not negotiable. Yeah, equality is not negotiable. I should just do two things myself before we go any further. I'm, I should do the disclosures. I'm a member of the Equality Party but not act, actively involved in the internal workings of the party, have contributed to policy platform. I should also say that I was a member of the Sex Party, um, not active either from around two, about May 2012 to May 2013, just so we're all clear. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, yeah, look, there have been some remarkable things, and somewhere throughout the show, whether it's when in my conversation with you today um, or later on, obviously got to talk about Tuesday's apology for those convicted of homosexual acts, um, you know, largely aimed at gay and bisexual men, but still very, I think, inclusive of other parts of the LGBTI community, which sets a precedent. And, you know, it just showed, and I think the thing, there's much I could talk about, but at the afternoon tea speech afterwards when... Daniel Andrews said, this state government is an ally of the LGBTI community. It was almost, in a nice way, a shock. Yeah. Um, it's, we're so used to sort of coming from behind the eight ball, all of a sudden for someone, particularly in a major position of influence, and when I say someone, that's a, a plural someone, the government overall, it's sort of, oh, wow, we're not having to sort of beat out, beat the door down. It's just come and sit at the table and let's talk sort of thing. And it was a, a happy shock, if that makes sense. And... You know, I've got to say that being in Victoria in the last, um, well, few months has probably, you know, been a saviour sort of thing on many levels, yeah. So we are a progressive um, capital. 
So you're running in the Senate. You've got the number one spot. Um, who, I suppose we need to talk about also who is the rest of your Senate ticket. Yeah, so Jackie Tomlins, who is a lifelong campaigner and deputy leader of our party, who's an amazing lady, mm-hmm. um, who has also worked her behind off over the past three years and actually a whole lifetime of advocacy totally. and social change in so many ways. Um, I'm almost not worthy to stand next to her, really. She's so amazing. But she she is number two on the ticket. Um, we have a um, beautiful um, gay guy who is on our South Australian ticket. His name is Alex. Mm-hmm. And we have another guy up in Queensland who, Bill, another gay guy, celebrant, this one, ah. who will run a good in Queensland. Profession, hey? Yep. And Rebecca O'Brien, she will run um, in Higgins. Yep. She's a lesbian businesswoman. And um, Henry Von Dusa is going to run as our Melbourne Ports candidate in wow. Melbourne as well. So that's that's exclusive here. I've not We've actually not shared any of this publicly yet because they're all at my house right now doing their work. Um, and it's it's a really good team. We, we um, It's hard to find candidates that you can trust, um, candidates who are happy to be out there in the public space. A lot of us LGBTIQ people mm. are justifiably reticent to be a public face, and I understand that. Yeah. Um, but I'm still thrilled that there are people who are willing to put their hands up, and it also costs a lot of money. Every candidate in the Senate is $2,000 just to nominate them yeah. and $1,000 in the lower house, and that's expensive. And, you know, we, we have fundraised as hard as we possibly can, and we will pretty much spend every dollar that we've got, but it's it's um that's our team, and I'm – Really, really excited to have a crack at this. This is what we've been working for. It's not a practice run. And we've actually, um, excitingly, I think, um, we are a real wildcard chance. Uh, we're not self-deceived in saying that. We know that now you have to do I know now's the right time to talk about it, but, but mm. you've got to vote one to six above the line now for the Senate. Yep. You actually have – everyone has to pick six parties at least or 12 below the line. Yeah. Um. It's no no longer up to the parties to do their ballot tickets. And we're confident, as long as we're not last on the ballot paper, because that's the draw that comes out mm. in a couple of weeks' time, um, that we're going to get a lot of people's one to sixes. And um, and we're going to get a lot of ones. So we're with a double dissolution where the quotas are half and there's going to be a higher retired vote and also a higher um, informal vote than normal because of all the changes um, that... Who knows what's going to happen, but there's the seat number 12 in Victoria mm. is available to us. Sorry, when you say a retired vote? So basically if you vote one, because some people have been used to voting one for 20 years, right? Yeah. Uh, that vote will still count. Oh, okay. So if you vote for a party that suddenly is now out of the running, um, it doesn't go anywhere else. Ah, gotcha. So they've got a savings provision for that. So I know it's all confusing. It's massive changes. No, I, but... I sort of got my head. I just hadn't heard that term on, but I, I, I admit I'm still getting my head a bit around this, the changes in the Senate, but I just hadn't heard that particular um, sort of... Um, and I don't have six parties to vote for, mm. to be honest with you. it's I'm struggling. So um, I'm sure most people are going to go to the ballot box and go, who am I going to vote for? And we've used... we On the ballot paper, it'll say Australian Equality, our logo. And then the phrase marriage equality above the line and then our names and Australian Equality Party below the line. And we're confident that the people who, um, you know, marriage is one paragraph of our 43 pages. Yeah. And we're not the marriage equality party. But I am glad that 
we can capture that vote for those people out there who understand that that does encompass some of the changes that need to happen for LGBTI people. Yeah. All right. Might talk about um, uh, marriage, um, inclusiveness, the whole breadth of policy and one of our questions. Better just have a quick bit of music. Um, and, well, we'll pro- could Lee give us a lead in to talk about the influence of fundamentalism? Here's Paul Kelly with a bit of a tongue-in-cheek song um, from the Stolen Apples album of 2007, God Told Me So. 3CR, 855 AM, digital3cr.org.au. Out of the pan with Sally and guest Jason. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. It's 40 years that the station's been around. I hope it's around for the next 40 years. CR has been a trailblazer. It's still the leader and the benchmark in terms of actually engaging the community. Keep the trail blazing. Support 3CR in our 40th birthday radiothon. From June 6 to 19. To donate, call 9419 8377 or go to 3cr.org.au. The role it plays is really, really, really important. And the role it plays in empowering people on a personal level empowering communities and giving communities the power to actually take a bit of control of their future cannot be underestimated. 3CR, 855am, digital, 3cr.org.au. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. Sally Goldner with you covering pansexual issues and with guest Jason from the Australian Equality Party. And we have a mountain of things to discuss, including a text that's come in from Johnny. And I'm not sure if this question's directed at Jason or myself, so we'll both give it our best shot answering it. Um, Johnny said, do you think by including transgender intersex issues that you muddy the waters and that a lot of gay people feel that you, for other causes, when we've got our own issues still unresolved? So I think the gist of that question, if I have it right, is, um, you know, do we... You know, does trans and intersex muddy the waters compared to gay and lesbian? And then I'm going to put bisexual separately, although Johnny hasn't said that. You go first. Um, no, I don't think it's muddied the waters at all. I, I think we're all connected, and I mm. think we all are in the same boat, fortunately or unfortunately, and we all have to work together to bring the changes that need to change because it's not just about sexuality. It's about gender. It's about who we are as human beings and how every person matters. And unfortunately, the million plus or so of us in Australia who are LGBTIQ, at least a million, um, we are all suffering. Yep. 
and we're all suffering in so many different ways. And we, we, we're playing in the federal space here, so I'm not talking about state politics here. Yeah. But federally, there is so much work that needs to be done, yes, from uh, marriage all the way through to bisexual and intersex issues. It's everything. That, that, that And there's no championing of it happening. And I think that we have strength when we do stuff together. And I think we need to understand um, also that whether you're a gay person or a trans person or an intersex person or a bisexual person or a lesbian person or an asexual person or an aromantic person or and whatever, yeah. um, every person is equally important. Every person's voice equally matters. Um, and I don't think we can get where we need to go if we don't work together. Well, agree with that. And I've got to say, um, Johnny's come back with another text. Great answer, Johnny. So um, Johnny's with you. And I, I agree with you. And I'll just do the research wonk thing. I mean, most of the research on the, the three writing themselves in reports, which are the reports on Australian GLBTI bullying, you know, bullying of GLBTI in schools, say that so much of it's about gender. Oh, you're a masculine woman or the, the guy who's, God forbid, playing football like a girl, all that sort of stuff. So, yes, there is a lot of commonality. So um, very much agreed. And it is important because, um, you know, uh, that we do recognise all the issues. Um, I was on a panel last week on May 17th, and someone said that marriage is becoming a bit of a bottleneck. But, of course, all the issues are important and still need to be talked about now. Um, so I suppose that begs the question, the AEP's candidates, um, how is it ensured that they are inclusive in their language and knowledge of all the issues? I know there's headline issues, but um, what's been sort of done to make sure they're up with everything, not just headline issues? Well, they've been required right now as we speak, actually, our Policy Director Nathan is meeting with all of them, actually, and going through the comms around these are the things that we stand for and these are what yep. you need to um, how you need to approach things. They Look, um, even though we're all in this together, we all have different experiences. My experience is different to yours, Sally, um, and but they're equally valid and we need to be inclusive of, of each other so our language even so you even use the phrase glbti we use lgbtiq mm. um some people want to have the a plus on the end um it's you know i'm happy for all the letters we want to have because we love letters in our community i think that's you know even i was at the Idahot event the other week and i was teaching the 200 people probably 120 of them were straight people that now it's really probably Idahobbit. Yeah. and explained what that meant. And I explained, I know you think that we have lots of letters, but I said that we love our letters. And that's just how um, we make sure we're including everybody as much as possible. Yeah, well, um, I'm I'm still working on trying to get Brie established, B-R-I-E, Bodies, Relationships, Identities, Expression, but some people think it's too cheesy. <laughs> anyway. Well, okay, but look, at all, it's just about, you know, this is where all the change is happening because yeah. we are verb having the conversations and making things that were once invisible, visible mm. in our discourse. Yep. And that is what's brought the change. And so if we need to use letters, if we need to use 12 different flags or whatever we've got now, um, fine, because it suddenly is like, okay, that person exists, that gender expression exists, that um, sexuality exists, and it's okay that they exist because at the end of the day, there is nothing wrong with us. Mm. And, and we're not... And I guess this is to answer your question, Sally. We want our team, yeah, and everything that we've done, and we've tried. I think we've done pretty well this for two and a half years. Um, we want to take the conversation from being tolerated 
as mm. LGBTIQ people from not being tolerated anymore, not being accepted, but being celebrated and fully included. I'm not sure what the right word is for that, but where we're fully embraced and we're not there yet. And that's the bridge from acceptance oh. to that that we're trying to get. And that's and that's where our, our policy fits in. That's where our approach fits in. And that's and we we expect nothing. I, I think it's we need to expect nothing less than that because when I sit with a straight person who's a friend of mine or an acquaintance even, I don't tolerate them. I don't accept them. I actually celebrate them or affirm them or embrace them as equal human beings yeah. and we need to be treated the same. And I think that's beginning to happen more and more uh, and the mental health outcomes and the outcomes for everybody will improve. It'll be make it better for everybody. We take care of the marginalized, discriminated person. We make it better for everybody. I don't believe in trickle-down theory. I, I believe that we actually should be taking the other way around. We should actually make it as, as everybody should be the same starting line. Agreed. Um, yeah, a couple of things come to mind. Um, the, the scale of attitude, and I go and train on it two or three times a week, and I can't remember who invented it. It's just gone out of my head. But, yeah, it talks about um, there's eight levels to it. The bottom level is blur, repulsion, then there's pity, then then tolerance, and then um, acceptance, which are all below pass marks. And then we get to support, admiration, appreciation. And the top word is celebrated, but originally it was put across as valued. And I like that one, um, that we value everyone's uniqueness um, and certainly aren't negative about it in any way. And value is good. It's a good word. Because yeah. uh, at the end of the day, everyone matters. Mm. Everything matters. Every yeah. every tree matters. Like, I mean, it's just everything has in, in, intrinsic value because it exists. And... Um, yes, we may disagree with people. Yeah, I don't mind if someone disagrees with me. Yes, we may um, um, struggle at times in our relationships with people, but it, that person still matters equally as much as I do. Yeah, and 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 that I think is the key to the change that we need as a collective community. Agreed. Agreed. So um, there's a few things that we wanted to talk about as well. Um, lots of things. Um, I do want to tackle the, the question that we did um, get in from listeners, from a listener directly, um, in that, um, you know, there was an email that came, um, came around about, um, which had the subject header end the discrimination against gay men in relation to the blood bank. Now, this affects bisexual men, but I had a very distressed um, trans woman contact me last year being told that the blood bank still refers to her as a male because that's what they think. So I just wanted to clarify that, um, you know, that what the AEP's stance on this is that the blood bank, you know, needs to update any discriminatory policies. Just want to check, make sure we're clear on that. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we the homoglobin people, I don't know if you've met those guys, but they are the only small group of people who are even talking about um, removing the blood ban that's been there since the mid-80s. So right now, if, you have, if you're a man who has sex with another man, um, or your gender at birth is male and you have sex with another male, even if mm. you affirm yourself as a female now, um, and you haven't had a biological operation or whatever the changes are, but that's that's how mm. they define it. You can't give blood unless you haven't had sexual relations with another man for 12 months. Yeah. Which is, in effect, a ban. Because it's ridiculous to think that most people would not have intimacy in a 12-month period. There is some talk of, removing, of, of shortening it to six months. Um and um, there are countries overseas who have what they should, what should they do anyway here, but not to this extent, is that you're individually assessed. So your uh, behavior and health 
um, should determine whether you can give blood or not. So um, every person should be individually assessed irrespective of what their sexuality is or their um, gender identification. And that would actually fix most of the problem. Because, my, uh, for example, for me personally, I've had to um, give blood at different times in recent years and it gets thrown away. Mm. There's nothing wrong, with my, nothing wrong with my blood. Yeah. And sadly or, or none the wise, I'm in a monogamous relationship, been with Adrian for 18 years. Um, I've been tested for everything and I'm, my blood is fine. Um, why is that being thrown away? Why are we discriminating? And it's only a small proportion of people, none of the major parties are even interested in it. Yeah. So whether you're bisexual or transgender um, or gay, um, if you're individually assessed as being, you know, you're, there's nothing wrong with your blood and it's minimal risk, which yep. is, should be irrespective of your gender or sexuality, then it should be able to be used. Yeah, we have. Well, they test blood for everything, and and um, it's it's. I see some people in our community don't think it's discriminatory. I think it is. Yeah, it's about safe sex. It's not about um, your sexual orientation, gender identity, or whether you work in the sex industry. Absolutely, I, I remember. I understand. In the eighties, I was a teenager. There was a lot of fear mm. and some very poor government leadership in different countries. Um, I think the Reagan administration is responsible for many many deaths, but. Um, there's no need this 30 years later and there's no need for ignorant policy anymore and some countries have actually changed their policy and no one is being infected with with um um blood that's not appropriate for transfusions yep. in those countries and, it sh- and they don't discriminate and i think it's part of that whole equality thing i don't it's it's not um it's not even about hiv or aids it's actually, it, I've, I've, at, the end of, at the end of the day, I think it's discriminatory. And I think there's some perception that what uh, men who have sex with men are doing is somehow dirty or something. Yep, there's agreed. some sort of dog whistling about that. It is. It comes from an underlying Without fear being that too gay, blunt. possibly gay or more promiscuous or something like that. Yeah. We've had another text in. I'm going to go with this live, um, if I may. Go for it. Um, congratulations, Jason. I respect diversity in Parliament. However, not everyone wants marriage equality. Is there a case of being narrow-minded in your focus and being a single-issue party? Good luck, but no, and no name on this one. Hello, friend. Um, first of all, we're not the marriage equality party. We're the Australian Equality Party. Um, marriage equality is one paragraph of forty-three pages of our policy. I look. Um, I don't believe everyone should get married, and I don't think anyone who doesn't want to get married should it's it's just one of those pathways that people do i'm a marriage celebrant so i did a wedding actually on saturday yesterday um for a straight couple obviously they it's it's one of those days that a lot of people love and enjoy and there's some legal and social and cognitive benefits that come from married life for some married people but it's equally wonderful to not be married um and to define your own relationship amongst you know the other consenting adult or adults that you're with so um no we're not a single initial party no there's no blinkers um but it's something that uh, everybody should have the right to if they want to and they should have the right to not be married right now we don't have the right to not get married and mm-hmm. i think that's an equal right to actually the right to be married that's a fair point yeah um, so thank thank you to our listener for sending that in. Yeah, thank you. It does lead to the next question, which is the difficult one. Um, if the Liberals get in and if they decide to get on with it, they've um, given the commitment, for what it's worth, to have 
a parasite. Sorry, a plebiscite. <laughs> um, that's what I'm calling it. Um, $160 million that could be spent on health education for anyone, including LGBTI, um, in lots of ways. But they've committed to having a, a, a parasite, I'm going to keep saying it, um, that will probably be divisive, um, inflammatory, and in our, from our perspectives, I would use the word vilifying. Um, what? Let's have your thoughts on that, particularly how we might try to keep people of all ages, but particularly our young people, safe in terms of some of the debate that could come up. Well, Sally, the scary thing is it's going to cost up to half a billion dollars, not not what the amount that you said. They've yeah, actually that, both admitted that it's going to be closer to half a billion. Now, that's the direct government cost as what uh, as opposed that's po- that, that's that's because um, they're going to fund both the yes and no campaigns. Oh, and that's additional. That's on top of the hundred and sixty. Yep. And then okay. there's. The parasite or the plebiscite, which has been budgeted for in the the recent budget, is going to be a terrible, terrible time for LGBTIQ people in this country. The people who are opponents, they are itching for the opportunity to have a... Can I swear on this station? I don't know. To have a a bun fight about it. They really want to, to dog whistle and air what they think is going to be wonderful, dirty laundry... That will move. So the the research behind the scenes says that forty five percent Australians are yes, twenty two percent are soft yes, and the rest are solid no. Mm. And they know that if they get their messaging out, and my understanding is that they've got thirty million dollars of funds already put aside, that those soft no's will move to soft yeses will move to no's very quickly. So we have a we have a this is an important election for people to think about. Yeah, if the Liberal Party win. And make no mistake, the plebiscite or parasite has been is being designed to fail. The only reason for its for its existence is for it to fail. There is no will inside the Liberal Nationals for the Marriage Act to change. There is no will inside the Liberal Nationals for safe schools to exist. Mm. There is no will inside the Liberal Nationals for any positive changes for LGBTIQ people to advance our equality. And so this plebiscite is being designed. The question will be dodgy. The timing will be delayed as long as possible. And then some of those members have already said, even if the public vote yes, we're voting no. So it's it's just there as a, as a terrible outcome where, and I haven't spoken to Lyle Shelton and, and some of those other people on that in that camp, for lack of a better word, they're, they're not camp, um, is, is they don't want gay or lesbian people to be parents. They don't want us to be married. In fact, they are trying to save what they call the 95% from us 5%. They think they're making it safe. This is their words, Yeah, Sal. yeah, I know. They're making the 95% safe from us instead of the reverse of what we're trying to do. And I'm really worried. I, I mean, our oh, son yeah. is 10, and we've managed to shield him from from stuff by being in a really good progressive school in Brunswick and and surrounded by diverse people that um, I'm worried that he will have because the, the TV ads will be terrible and they're going to um, but interestingly you know what they're going to have to de-gay the whole message because if it's too LGBTI'd people will vote no mm. and that stresses me out as well because that will set the whole rights movement backwards and the you know what the images are that the, the worst that'll turn off those soft yes people what's that two men with a baby which is my family 
We are literally the turd in the room. And there'll be no images of two men kissing or two men with a child, with a child because that puts people off. And that really distresses me, to be honest, because what is so um, ugly or awful about my family? My family is beautiful. Yeah. Like everyone else's families are beautiful. And we chose our family and we constructed our family the way we did. And people have the right to do that. Yep. And the son outcomes from my son. He's having a beautiful, lovely life. But this plebiscite, I'm partly. I'm, I'm going to have to stay and fight for it. And if we can get in the parliament, imagine having that voice inside the parliament through that process. It'd be unbelievably fantastic. Jackie Lambie and other people, they get a voice purely because they're elected. Whether you agree with them or disagree with them, they make the most of their voice, and I admire that. Um, and right now, we don't have that internal voice. And yes, we have a good state government, and we live here in Victoria, but this is not the federal space. Totally. Yep. No, it's a fair call, that, and you've just brought it home that these are our families. You know, they're, they're people. This isn't just an issue, which I think a lot of people, when they debate this stuff, don't get. They're sort of like debating whether the, well, whether the earth is round or flat, but that's an issue, but it's not about human beings. So you've touched on something there, which I, do, I also wanted to expand on. Let's say one or more AEP, AEP, Australian Equality Party, people get into Parliament um, at the election, and I think probably on... Well, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll split this question into two. Let's say whether Labor has the is the basis of the government, whether majority or minority or coalition is. How would you then try to to get safe schools back onto a better place? What would be your specific aim? What would be a couple of things you would try to do in terms of working with politicians across the spectrum to do that? Unlike our members of the Liberal coalition pretending they're in power. Um, we would actually stand for safe schools in Parliament. And we yep. would say, actually, no, This not only is this program a good program, it needs to be implemented and expanded and made available to every Australian student yep. of primary and secondary school. And just to have someone in there saying that would be such a change to what's not being said in the federal space. Yeah. So we have, you know, lovely Andrews is saying, you know, we're going to have it in Victoria, it's fantastic, but it's just not happening elsewhere. Yeah. I think the ACT might have said ACT they're going to do it. ACT, yes, yeah. they've been similar um, to Daniel. But federally, it's just not happening. And it's been wound back. I don't know if you've gone to the website lately. It's already been... It's been uh, wound back, although Victoria yes. put all the resources on the Victorian one anyway. And the funding ends next year for what's left yep. anyway. Um, we would One of our bargaining tools for any legislation to be passed would be safe schools. Yeah. I can guarantee that. Cool. And, so, and, and, and you know what? The eight small million dollars they were spending on it compares nothing to the $1.2 billion that's being funded for chaplains in schools over four two. years. $1.2 billion over four years. and um, Or three years. And I... These things need to be funded and happen. Well, I, I've seen what Safe Schools does with students in the school oh, where yeah. I taught. It's a wonderful program. And oh, it, unequivocally, yeah. And, I, and, and it's distressing, and, and we will agitate, agitate for that. All right. Let's, did I answer the question? I'm not sure. You did, yes, okay. and I think it's a fair call. Um, and, you know, there's lots we could discuss on that. Let's sort of wind things up on our discussion. Um, let's come back to um, the... I just wanted to clarify the new Senate voting system. Do you think that will make um, it easier, harder for you, or no difference in terms of being elected if, hypothetically, it had still been under the one and that's all people had to do thing? Well, I think um, I, I know for a fact that the changes have been put in place for in the long term, it's going to make it hard for new parties to start. Right. If you don't have lots of money, 
if you don't have a presidential type um, 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 person to mm. to champion it, it's going to be very difficult five, ten, fifteen, twenty years from now for a non-labor liberal green person to get up. Yeah, that's what it's designed for. Mm. It's almost a first past the post change, actually. Um, having said that, the double dissolution election, the fact that you have to vote for six parties, um, and what we've been trying to do, and we unashamedly use the marriage phrase now for because it capt- it'll capture votes, um, means we're actually in a really good spot to actually win that last seat, number 12 in Victoria. Okay. There's a seat up for, for a small party, um, but it requires everyone who's engaged with us to, to vote for us um, and for a lot of people to put us in their two to sixes, and that's really possible. So we're definitely a wildcard chance. So I, I've embraced it because we've not been, unlike some small parties, there are a lot of fake small parties that are front parties for major parties mm. um, that are just in there to, to play the game that used to be a lottery with the group voting ticket. We didn't do that. We, from the start, have actually tried. We've got a policy strategy, a policy platform. We've tried to engage as a political party without being a bunch of lawyers in the first place, with actually a bunch of real people from different diverse backgrounds career-wise and um, the way they identify um, in their sexuality or their gender even, um, and and culturally. Um, and we, I think that's what's made us a, do a good job. I'm really quite proud of what my team have done. They've, oh, they've, yeah. they've all got lives and families and jobs and things, and they've worked hard for almost three years. And I um, and they're at, you know, they're at my place right now working hard, spending their Sunday on, on things. And... and um, We'll see whether a grassroots approach can actually work because that's what we've had to do. You had to do it. And we've raised all of our own funds. We've, we've worked really hard and we'll see. And I, but I am excited that we are a legitimate chance and it would just be an amazing thing if we could actually have an independent voice. I feel stronger about that now than even three years ago with but the potential Liberal government to have a voice that stands very clearly and you get an opportunity to speak. Because you're um, elected. Yeah. Well, we'll know in five weeks' time, yeah. I suppose, from today. And it'll all be over, bar some of the... Well, maybe we won't. We're not know for seven or eight weeks. Seven yeah. or eight weeks, actually. Well, that's true, yeah. Five weeks the still elected, of course. Yeah, Senate um, votes should take longer, but we may have at least an indication. Um, well, all the best um, is all I can say. Uh, it's, you know, it is good that we have our voice there, but um, obviously everyone has to make their own choice. And... Um, well, um, all the best. And, yeah, look, I think that you mentioned, you know, pet LBTI plus uh, Brie people don't stand for parliament maybe because they're um, scared of the mudsling. I just hope it's, a, it's a, the proverbial fair fight is all I think um, that I would ask um, for, for your sake and for that matter, any other LBTI Brie candidate from any party. Absolutely. All right, Jason, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Alan. Um, we've, we've extended it along a lot, but why not? Um, well, take it out. Um, we'll take end um, this part of the program, I should say, not the whole program. Still got lots to cover. Um, with Jimmy Barnes' cover of the old Sam Cooke classic from Jimmy's first solo album, Body Swerve, a change is going to come. 3CR 855am digital, 3cr.org.au, out of the pan with Sally. As Prime Minister of Australia, I am sorry. Coming live to you from the Aboriginal Ten Embassy in Canberra as part of the Sorry Day Convergence. And here comes Gilla. How you going, Gilla? How's it going, Gab? How's it going, uh, all you listeners down Melbourne? And you're missing a great time up here and uh, a great day.
Subscribe to your award-winning independent community radio station, bringing you coverage of community issues and events. We need your support. Call 9419 8377 and subscribe today. I feel hopeful, I feel grateful, I feel sorry. As an Aboriginal person, let me shake your hand. Thanks very much for being here today. Thank you very much. No worries. CR 855am digital 3cr.org.au. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, a show covering pan-sexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Um, so we've had the great um, Jason from the Australian Equality Party on, and of course last week we had um, Greg from the Greens, and I wanted to check in as to whether he was the first um, out by candidate in Australia. Well, two things happened to me this week. I did get a call, Janet Rice, who's with the Greens, is identifies as bi, but I have to say I haven't heard it referred to that often, if I can be a little tongue-in-cheek. Reminds me a bit of Janet's often referred to as the partner of a trans woman, being Penny, which is a bit like um, sort of um, um, Joni Cunningham on Happy Days was always referred to as Richie's sister. And then finally, at the end of that particular episode where that came up, um, someone, they were in Arnold's, Richie says, we're going now, and someone says, who's that? And goes, Joni's brother. Anyway, um, so that's one. But I forgot to mention something else um, came back in the head thanks to a sort of chance meeting yesterday. Um, some people may remember, and if you dig back through your archives, that the person then using the name Jessica or Jess Healy um, was a bi woman who ran for the Democrats, as they were, in 2004. And it's like, duh. And why, why did I happen to meet Jess Healy? Jess is um, someone who, a woman who was able to marry her female partner in Canada and is now Jess Walton, a.k.a. Jessica Walton, the writer of Introducing Teddy, um, which is a book about for trans, for um, sort of very young people, but also for people who are young at heart, I suppose, um, I suppose we could say, um, in that, um, and there's two events involving um, Teddy coming up. The Fab Hares and Hyenas on Wednesday, the 1st of June this week, if you are listening live to this Sunday broadcast, um, is having a launch of the book. And um, on Thursday, declaring any interest um, as a paid MC, um, the Wheeler Centre is having a discussion with myself, Jess, and Jess's parent, um, Tina um, Healy, who I should also add is a committee member of Transgender Victoria, so um, great to see this happening. Um, lots happening this week. Other things are happening this week. If you are listening on Sunday, the Polyvic Social is happening um, this afternoon at um, the Terminus in Clifton Hill, and it is upstairs this week. Um, no big screens interrupting the um, the abundant discussion um, or abundant social chat. Um, Bent TV is on this Friday, and make sure you check out Bent TV from last week, a fab interview with um, Grace Lee. I seem to be declaring lots of interest today, but Grace is a committee member of TGV, but she's also just completed a grad dip in counselling and a thesis where she looks at the lives of um, people 40 and older in terms of how they manage their transition. And I think that's really good that middle and senior cohorts get that sort of detailed coverage. So lots coming up this week. 
but very quickly got a well I haven't really got time to do it justice I might have to try to talk about it next week um, and there's a good reason to talk about it next week next week on the show the Kamich Ro Allen will be in the building or on the phone at least and all that um, for on the building and um, so I'd welcome your questions for the commission again, particularly from the areas that often don't get enough representation, like bi, trans, intersex, people working in the sex industry, poly, etc. but all welcome. Um, and I'll keep plugging that throughout the week. Um, but I also talk in detail, I suppose, with Ro about the amazing events this week that I just haven't had time to go into in detail, the apology for um, to those affected by criminalisation of homosexual acts up to 1980, an amazingly moving experience and a great um, vision changer. And I'm just thinking about it now. Um, I remember the, the message that it sent when police marched in uniform in Pride March for the first time in Melbourne in 2002, the message it said, we're with you. Well, um, this sends a message that this government is in Victoria with us. They said at the afternoon tower afterwards as a men- um, that they were an ally of the GLBTI community. And as I was saying to Jason, it felt like a shock to have someone say that in such a position of authority. But, um, yeah, um, we'll have a chat with Ro about that next week. But make sure you send in your questions. Um, I'd better get out of here and make way for Freedom of Species to um, talk all things Animale. They've got an interview with Jeff Russell coming up. So um, stay, um, keep your ears of all sorts tuned for that. Take it out today with um, In Excess from the album that really broke them, I suppose, in 1983, Shabu Shabar. And, well, a bit of a thought, a thoughtful song from them, um, Jan's Song. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.